Hi. Welcome to another episode of An Absolute Gag. It's the podcast where I like to talk to people about the performances or moments that left them speechless. I'm Tommy Bullington, and hey, thanks for coming back. I really appreciate it. Welcome to my home. Oh, look, sit down right there. Here's a coaster. Here's a glass of water, some wine, all kinds of good stuff for you. (laughs) Today's episode I'm really excited about because I had a list of topics that I had to talk about with certain people, and this is one of those episodes. So today I am joined by my friend, Patrick Tierney. He's a fabulous actor. He does a fabulous video series on YouTube called Chicago Artist Circle. I think it's a brilliant kind of video series because I think people don't understand the artist community of Chicago, especially the Chicago theater community, and the history that it has, the amazing art that work here and he really sheds a light on them. Each topic of the circle is like a different aspect or like uh, focuses on an underrepresented group within the Chicago theater community and how those people have really built their careers and I highly encourage you to check it out. So this week's charity focus is a special organization that I have just gotten to learn about and doing the research, and I will be making a donation in the name of our guest this week. So, the charity focus of the week is Asada's Daughters. Asada's Daughters, also known as AD, is a Black women-led, young person-directed organization rooted in the Black radical tradition. AD organizes young Black people in Chicago by providing them with political education, leadership development, mentorship, and revolutionary services. Through our programs, we aim to deepen, escalate, and sustain the movement for Black liberation. So this company was founded back in 2015. It was founded by a myriad of Black women, Black femme-identifying humans, uh, non-binary humans, who got together and realized how important it is to educate the future generations about activism and how to be an activist while bringing the while bringing the warranted rage the warranted demand for justice they educate everybody they educate these young people they provide them with the services they need to raise their voices up and and understand the systemic racism that is ingrained within our nation and our culture and uh, how to properly fight it. I think it's an incredible program. I think it's so smart to educate future generations of activists because right now a lot of us are kind of just learning how to be activists because we don't know. I will openly admit that I'm horrible at raising my voice sometimes and saying this is wrong because of my ingrained Midwest desire to make everybody like me and to not step on any toes. But fuck it, let's step on toes, let's step on the whole fucking foot and break it. (laughs) 
If you can't tell, maybe my podcast is not going to be the most red state friendly. I mean, I did tell Toby Keith to fuck himself on the list. (laughs) Sorry. So many family members are going to be disappointed, but they're not going to listen. They don't know how podcasts work. Okay, so that is our charity focus of the week. I'm so excited to shine a light on Asada's daughters and make a donation in the name of my guests today on behalf of them. And yeah, I can't wait to continue doing this. I really actually, this has been really great. Don't pull over. That's a siren outside my window. Uh, <laughs> we, I'm really excited to continue to focus on some charities and give them the proper attention and everything. And I hope to do this for every episode as long as, as long as it goes on. So, okay, so we're ready to get into my interview with Patrick Tierney. Oh my God, this topic, this topic is, it's the epitome of an absolute gag. It's the definition of an absolute gag. Oh, I cannot wait. I cannot wait to discuss this. Um, You will hear probably some Armand meowing in the background, but I'm so sorry for that. But I also don't apologize because it's fucking cute. He has a range on him. I really see the potential of him being like a castrati, like like that kind of tenor that like really hits those high notes. So I'm really excited about that and really cannot wait to exploit that talent for my benefit. <laughs> uh, could you imagine if I released an album of my cat singing? That would be so good. Okay, I'm going to write that down. Okay, I've got to stop talking. Oh, I'm so sad. Okay, here is my interview with Patrick Tierney about his absolute gag. Did it, did it, did it, did it, episode two, episode two, yeah! <laughs> oh, thank you for coming back to an absolute gag. Okay, so I am very excited for this guest. He is, he is one of the funniest humans I know on the planet. He is shaking his head as if, <laughs> as if it's not true. And he's just perfect. I adore him. He's an actor around the city of Chicago. He's been in plenty of productions of Les Mis. That's correct. Wave that flag. And also... And also, he you could probably see him around the holidays in a WeatherTech Christmas commercial. Yes. Hopefully we'll see him back again this holiday. And then, of course, he also has an amazing YouTube show called Chicago Artist Circle, where he interviews artists around Chicago on a specific topic. I highly encourage you to check it out. It's on YouTube, Chicago Artist Circle. Please welcome to the podcast. Patrick Tierney! Oh, Tommy! My Welcome. God. I'm going to try my damnedest not to just giggle throughout this whole thing. Giggle away. It's all right. <laughs> I just, I can't help it. You make well, me, yeah. You make me giggle. The topic makes me giggle. It's great. 
<laughs> it's the two of us together. We just get each other like giggling nonstop. <laughs> like, yes, I'm just like little yeah. schoolgirls. <laughs> yes, I'm just I'm tickled. I'm I'm uh, I'm purely tickled. This is so great, so great. Well, I am so excited to have you here. How have you been with everything considered? <laughs> yes, everything <laughs> considered. Uh, that's a great question. I have been fine. I mean, everything considered, it, it could be so much worse. Uh, yes. I, I'm very, very, I mean, for myself, I'm very, very lucky, very, very blessed. Um, any moment that I, yeah, I allow myself some room to, you know, be sad and complain and yes. be down in the dumps, if you will, like f- for personal reasons. Yep. But it's fairly short lived because I, it's just, I allow myself a bit of that, but it's just like the bigger picture. It, Jesus <laughs> H Christ. I'm sorry for no. taking the Lord's name in vain, but yeah. It's fine. I don't think he listens. So <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> You would be surprised. I totally understand. And you know what, though? We're we're allowed to be upset about everything going on, and we're allowed to have our sad moments and everything. Yeah. Both personal and, like, global. Like, we can't help ourselves in that. And Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to feel that. Last night, or two nights ago, my phone was stolen. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I didn't tell you this. (laughs) Oh no! I left it in an Uber, and he, damn yeah, it. and he drove away with it, and I was like, "I'm never seeing it again." And I have gone on a a one man army against Uber support on Twitter. <laughs> I good for you. And you know what? It was fine. Like I was oh, like, yeah, I was like, yes. There's a lot going on in the world, but this is really obnoxious, and I just need to say it and get it off my chest. I was yeah, like, I hear you. Yeah, you yeah. failed me. <laughs> so, anywho, oh. Oh, I'm okay. Sorry. No, you're fine. <laughs> yeah. Why apologize? You're good. <laughs> I, you're right. I mean, you didn't steal it, did you? Imagine if I did. <laughs> I don't know in what world that would have happened, but what if like right now it's like, guess what? And I, I just like showed you. I was like, did this look familiar? That would be a great twist. <laughs> and it would be a, an absolute gag, if you will. Oh, he said the title. <laughs> Thank you for branding, Patrick. Yes, or. Equity actor Patrick Michael Tierney. <laughs> I was just gonna say that is te- Patrick Tierney was taken, so that technically is my stage name. Uh, <laughs> if you're gonna like IBDB him, you know, Internet Broadway database. <laughs> God willing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Patrick. Yes. What is your absolute gag? Deep, deep breath. I know it's also an absolute gag of yours. Yes, indeed. If yes, it is Joan Cusack in Adam's Family Values. Hi, I'm Debbie Jelinski from the agency. Are you the mom? I am Mrs. Adams. I love your dress. It's so tight. Miss Debbie (laughs) Jelinski herself. Okay, behind the curtain moment. Yes. When I came up with this podcast in my brain, 
there was one episode that I knew I needed to do and I needed to do right away. <laughs> and usually I tell the guests, I say, provide me with something that right. like a performance that makes you speechless, you know, something along those lines. But for you, <laughs> I said, Patrick, you are doing John Cusack right. and Adam's family values because we have connected on this performance multiple mm-hmm. times about how much we love it. Yep. Can you describe to me what is it about this performance that absolutely leaves you speechless, that just totally gags you? Uh, I've been thinking about that a lot. I, I, you know, I usually watch both Adam's Family movies heavily in the month of October. Na- na- of I think that's natural. But I revisited it. Revisited it. <laughs> that's hard. <laughs> Uh, today, I, um, yeah. it's, you know, cause I just, I wanted it to be very fresh on my mind. Though so I, I know it pretty well. I, I, I was watching it closer. Like I was watching John Cusack somehow closer than ever. I was like leaning yeah. in and yeah. And I just, what is it about the performance? It just, she just, um, everything is a surprise. Everything to me. And I think that goes for my favorite performances in general, Mm-hmm. Is that there are a lot, there are so many good actors, there are so many good comedians, so, so many. But mm-hmm. the ones that I find myself drawn to the most are the ones that take me by surprise. That yeah. I, I, I hesitate to say make me gasp or. <laughs> no, truly. <laughs> or like, like my mouth is agape at their work. But yeah, yes, just yeah. like full of choices that. And and line deliveries and moments and facial expressions that you're just like, where did that come from? No, I totally agree. I think it's, I think we both kind of love the moments where somebody who you think you know, like yes. an actor you think you know, all of a sudden gives you this different layer to them or a different aspect. Mm-hmm. And you are so enthralled and you're just like, <laughs> Oh my God, you can do that too. Well, this is like definition because this is not typically the kind of roles that she plays or that she does. Right. And that's, and I was talking about it with another friend earlier today where, Mm -hmm. where we were Marco Poloing. Um, for some of you that might be familiar with that phenomenon, uh, you know, this, you know, this actress, Tiffany Tobel. Uh, oh yes, she also shares as uh, she also shares a love for this performance and film, mm-hmm. and we were talking about it, and she 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 brought up the fact that Joan Cusack was playing kind of a, a femme fatale, and I just said, I, and I agreed with her. I just had never put it exactly that way. I was like, she is, and before or after that, had she has she done anything that you could. No quote unquote sexy, you know, or or vampy or uh you know right. what I mean? Yeah, there's something really fascinating uh, fascinating. <laughs> uh there's something really fascinating about when a traditionally I think you could say you would categorize her as probably a form of a character actor, yeah. Absolutely. I I would. Yes. Yeah, same. And there's something, though, that happens when a character actor gets the chance to be sexy. Like, yes. is, 
given the permission and truly she doesn't change much about herself if anything no. it's it's the costumes and the wigs yes. that really are the like sex but she's still so Joan Cusack and all of her like uh-huh. line deliveries and everything so it's it makes for like a really interesting dynamic that we see continue no, no, no you no, go ahead I know there's going to be so much of that. There's going to be so much of that. So good luck editing. Um, what was, what, like, what did we know about her before this film? I, and I think it, the only thing that we really, her breakout role up until that point was working girl. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know she had done plenty and she had like great right. comedic, bits and smaller roles in lots of 80s films. Yeah, and she was on SNL for a hot second during the She was in weird... 85. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It just you. It just I know. I have my notes right here. <laughs> I have mine. <laughs> well, yeah, cuz I just I I just love her anyway and it yeah. just like really I like fell down a rabbit hole of Joan Cusack being like, "Yeah, what did we what did we like know of her at this point? Like how did she get this role?" Like I wish this is another thing I was talking about with Tiffany. I wish that there was an oral history of Adam's family values. You know what? There is like, there's a lot of interviews and stuff, but she's nowhere to be found on it. I know. It's yeah. always with Christopher Lloyd and yes. Christina Ricci and like Angelica Houston. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and Carol Kane will get in there sometimes. Well, yes. I mean, the whole I, cast in general, Jesus, that could be see, another episode yes a whole episode <laughs> could be about every performance yes. like a different like performance but um i read something online that nailed it perfectly in that still amongst all these performances she still kind of stands out which is a testament i feel know? like it's kind of it feels like her film honestly it does i mean she is like very central to everything going on and i knew that to some degree but watching it again today i was like yeah this is her movie and like how it's interesting i mean it's adam's family values so i think you know a lot of critics probably and 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 award types like oscars and like i think they turn their noses up at it a little bit because it's like working girl for which she was nominated for an oscar Yep. She, the whole movie was recognized. And yeah. I just, and she's great in a working girl. Don't get me wrong. She's so funny, but you'd see working girl. Oh, and five years after Adam's Family Value, she got another Oscar nomination for In and Out. In and Out. Yep. And yeah. it's like both of those. So great. I love that so bizarre, quirky, out of the box performances were recognized. I'm so yes. glad. But I'm like, yeah. how was this one? Not recognize. <laughs> I have so many thoughts about please, this. So, please. First of all, just to give people an idea of what the studio and writers and directors were kind of looking at, the only other person that I could find that was up for the role <gasps> was Marissa Tomei. So oh, I did which, not see. Wow, I love that you yes. found that out. Yeah. And she's the only person I could find that was thought of. So it seems like it was pretty much Joan. Like they just were kind of like, it's got to be Joan Cusack or Marissa Tomei. And like, which is fascinating. And they're so different, both of them. And I like Marissa Tomei a lot. And I love, and she would have been such a different one. So different. 
do think she would have probably gone back to some of her cousin, my cousin Benny, like Absolutely. kind of deliveries and stuff. And it probably would have been a more like a trashier Debbie, if you will. <laughs> well, and oh yeah, I just because I think that Marissa Tomei is very funny. But the minute yes. you said Marissa Tomei, I pictured. See, this is this is what stuff. I pictured a very campy performance. But but Joan Cusack's is also campy, but for some reason, it, it's all different. Like, it's, it's like it's so uh, it's still really believable to me. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. So I I have to say that like I, there is something about this performance. So I was talking with a, a friend of mine and. I was talking about the podcast and I said, I'm really excited about this week's episode (laughs) because I'm speaking with my friend Patrick and we're talking about Joan Cusack and Adam's Family Values. And he said, what a gay performance. (laughs) He was like, that is... That is modern gay culture. He was like, that performance. And why is that? Exactly. I was going to ask. Oh, you're okay. You <laughs> gonna, me? Well, what do you think? What do you think? What about it is so... Isn't that so funny? That is absolutely what I was wondering today. And I was like, can we talk about that? I thought exactly that. I thought, this is so iconic. I, I am going to go ahead and say it's iconic mainly, not completely, yeah. But I would venture to say it's iconic mainly among gay, queer individuals. I agree. I I do think it reads for specifically gay males in a different way, where we're I... just kind of like, wow. <laughs> we, just, we just love it. Yeah, and I, and I was thinking, why do I love this performance? <laughs> and, and I don't, it's just, is it because it's so, is it because it's so outside the box? Yeah. And, and ruthless and daring. And I mean, you know, I know she's not like, it's not like you can't really compare this to like Meryl and Sophie's choice, but it's, <laughs> I mean, I could <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> Don't threaten me. <laughs> if you want a comparison side by side, I'll give it to you. Um, but no, I, I'm not trying to say that. I'm not trying to say that. You know, I don't want to be like, oh, Joan was so brave and, you know, but there's just something. I, yeah, I'm going to stick with outside the box. And I think that's yeah. why I, I, I can only really only speak for myself. Why I appreciate it is because it's it's just it's not what I would expect. And I just love that someone like Joan Cusack, who in the film looks stunning. I, yeah, I Honestly, to me, that is a big factor, yeah. is the fact that she is doing a, a drag performance yeah. because it's exaggerated gender. She's exaggerated oh, yes. femininity. Absolutely. And it's the femme fatale version, which I think gay men love the idea of a woman who just uses men and tosses them away and like we're kind of like oh yes like we love that we do and because she is obviously a horrible creature in this movie and yet you still kind of root for her yeah i agree (laughs) there's i think i wrote this down that i think it's really fascinating and an interesting way that they went with the sequel of this film which is or of this franchise which is what happens when 
the atoms come into contact with true evil. So like, there's, there's like, yeah, that, that hit me. Shit. Yeah. Go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, I mean, it's like, they love, you know, obviously the Adams family is like very macabre and very, very dark. And that's what we love about them. But we know that they would never truly kill or hurt anyone. You're right. The fun is the idea that they could if they wanted to, but they're just not going to. Mm -hmm. And that they would rather love each other in such a over-the-top way, all while being dark. And then Debbie comes in, and what's brilliant about the performance is that she doesn't act freaked out by anything up until Cousin (laughs) It. (laughs) Cousin It is the first time, because even when Thing jumps on her shoulder, she just sucks on his finger. I know. She's just yeah, she's not even she's not even phased by Lurch. In fact, like Lurch is the first person she sees and she's immediately like, oh. Oh yeah. She's like <laughs> and like, big. Tall. Yes, yes, and big. I'm like, oh Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. She it's fascinating to watch that. And I do it does this brilliant thing the film does where you've got that storyline going on. And then you've also got the other fun thing about the atoms, which is what happens when they have to come across like normal people. And so you've got that with Wednesday and Pugsley out at the camp, which is you could again (laughs) be a whole other episode. Yeah, if you want my take. (laughs) On Christine Bransky and Peter McNichol as the camp counselors, uh, it's I would be happy to come back for another episode and do just that. So we're going to change the podcast to the Harmony Hut. Where we <laughs> oh, that's a great! I, I got. It. And when I was a kid, I was like, I would absolutely love the Harmony Hut. I I agree. I would love to be in there. I I hate camp. Yeah, <laughs> would have been like, please put me mm-hmm. in the place with air conditioning and a television, and, and like let me watch Sound of Music and Annie. Sounds great. <laughs> done you know it's interesting i was thinking of performances that kind of give me a similar joan cusack in this movie kind of vibe and i actually landed upon i get the same just like joy and energy from her that i get from carol burnett in the annie film as (laughs) miss hannigan like that kind of just like Oh, she's a monster and, and I just love lo- her. And yeah, and she just loves being a monster. A monster just loves it. And I was like, yeah, wow. I was Absolutely. like, that is a soul sister performance. Like they are so entwined in my brain. And I think it lands upon that. I think we have gotten really great stuff out of Joan. Do you feel like we could still get more? Do you feel like there's still so much left of Joan Cusack that we're not like, either we're not tapping or we're not using her, you know? Just like today, like, yeah, Joan Cusack's, Joan Cusack's like career today. Yeah. I mean, uh, I feel like she's fallen under the radar lately. Like, I don't, I can't think of the last, I know I just looked, but I I can't, I didn't recognize any of the things that she has done lately. I don't know if you have. 
she's done nothing like she definitely the days of her being in these tentpole release movies these big budget big blockbuster films is not the same anymore the last big thing she did was she's on shameless i don't know if she still is that's right you're right yeah she's with william h macy and like she kind of plays like uh a freak in that that film or that show too so it's definitely there's some debbie influences but it's a whole different world uh, from it so but i don't know you know and she's gotten really big into voiceover work like voice work because you know the toy story movies and stuff also adore well you know Uh, what yeah and it makes perfect sense. Well, 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 wait. First, before I go into her whole vocal, <laughs> her whole vocal life, uh-huh. speci- I mean, specifically in this movie. And I just, I mean, honestly, I, I would love. I feel like after In and Out, she mm-hmm. did. I don't know more. Like when was Runaway Bride, and when was Raising Helen? Like she did more like those kinds of like I'm your yes. your funny friend. Like Nancy Myers as like <laughs> Nora Ephron, friend yes. of yeah. yes, and like still very funny because she's just yes. naturally she can't help herself yeah to be she can't truly <laughs> and that okay and that's another thing in addition to the voice work how that we have to get to is that she just can't help herself literally because Adam's family is a is really I I mean it's it's well written. They added both movies, even more so the second one. I have a note in here that says how many jokes per beat there are. Because <laughs> it is rat-a-tat-tat from moment one of that film. I know. The jokes come fast and furious to where you're like almost like overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, oh, well, I, I can't focus on the jokes. I mean... Even her right away when she's like, I can give you all my references so you can know that I'm not a homicidal maniac. <laughs> and, and, and Angelica goes, of course not. Raul goes, you're far too young. <laughs> so I'm saying it's just, yeah, it's the zingers. There's so many one-liners yeah. that I feel like I find a new one every time I watch it. And that being Agreed. said, I still feel like this cast specifically Joan Cusack, because that is what we are here to talk about. I won't veer off topic too much, I promise. But she is able to mind even more comedy out of it than I thought possible. Because I was yeah. I, that's what I was thinking a lot about as I was watching it today, specifically, is I was thinking like, man, this is really good script. And I think there's a lot of women that would be really funny, really interesting but man, like she is just, she's getting so much out of, she's just getting more than I, than I would think possible out of this dialogue. Out of every moment. And every like, moment. Yeah. It's like she's, it's like she's taking like a wet cloth and just wringing it over and over again and getting every drop of comedy out of everything. And I think it's interesting that you brought up Marissa Tomei because I think Marissa Tomei would have been interesting and mm-hmm. I and I love her, my cousin Vinny vibe. But like, I I I wonder if it would have been as memorable. I don't think so. And and I again, I I think Marissa Tomei yes. is talented. But I'm just thinking like, if her specific kind of comedy, I, I don't know. Now I'm like, <laughs> isn't it funny? I'm like, what if Marissa Tomei listens <laughs> to this podcast and she's like, I'm funny, you asshole. Um, 
Marissa, if you're listening, we love Marissa, you. We love you. <laughs> but I just yeah. hopefully she knows what I mean. <laughs> I'm banking on her listening to this. I am flattered, <laughs> and I really hope she does. And also, Marissa, come on the podcast, please. please, please. I mean, Joan what Cusack. Her, what, oh, my gosh. Chicago okay. in. So you bring up that. This is another point that I love that I think she does so well. I love a Chicagoan or an Illinois-based actor who uses that ridiculous dialect to their advantage in jokes. 100%. And there are so many moments, and I don't want to touch on it now. We'll get to it later. But, I mean, (laughs) the final monologue, the final scene. That could be an episode by itself. (laughs) Truly. But there she adds in her harsh Midwest dialect into some of those moments, and it makes it a thousand times funnier. thousand. I love, I love when we use our the things that that make us and use them to our advantage to add humor. And she is so good at that. I mean, I often say to people, if anyone thinks I'm funny ever in life, I often say to them, like, I'm not particularly, I feel like there's brands of funny. I think you would agree. It's like, I don't think I necessarily say clever things Mm-hmm. I just think I have a bizarre way of putting them. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I agree. I mean, I think you're incredibly witty, but I do think <laughs> your delivery is what makes you that next step of like humor and comedic actor. It is. It's so many running wheels in the machine of a funny person yes. in a film. Yes. And one of the keys is delivery, especially this script, because oh. it is all about delivery of a lot of these lines and a lot of these jokes. Yeah, no. And, and I wonder, it makes me wonder, that's why I want an oral history of this movie, because I want to know, was anything improvised? Well, I don't know. That That is such a good question. a little question. bit, but yeah. Yeah. To some degree, there's always one or two, or I mean, a handful of moments, sure. I'll tell you, I do know what is improvised in my heart of hearts. I do know what is improvised is her face when Cousin It starts talking at the wedding. Oh, and it is. (laughs) I'm so glad you brought. Continue. Well, it's just like she knows that like somebody's going to notice and like, and it's such a light, like turn of the head and like weird, like reaction to it. And Mm -hmm. it's so small, but it makes me cackle every time. (laughs) I'm so glad you mentioned that because I clocked, I clocked her journey a little bit more specifically in the movie. Something I never really thought about. um, But I, I thought... Where did I write it? I wrote I wrote some things down and I noticed that once they get to the wedding, she is basically over putting on a show. She's done. She's and, done. And I especially yeah. noted it at the actual wedding. Like she didn't even wait till they got till after the wedding. I mean, she keeps going further, but yeah. I, I really noticed today, I was like, as they're walking down the aisle, and then she has the moment with it, and I was like, wow, she is like <laughs> And then he just says, he said, uh, Fester says all these bizarre things. And she's just like, 
Ditto. (laughs) (laughs) Which I have written down. And it's just like she's already, and it's so interesting to me that she's already. I just would. I just think that's such an interesting choice that at the wedding she's suddenly like, all right, and I'm done. (laughs) And and the act is all the way up until she gets right at the end of the aisle, and then she's done, and then it drops and it's gone. And you have the brilliant line after the the wedding where she they say, "Have a wonderful life," and she's like, "I will." I noticed that too. I noticed I just, that too. It's just, oh, it's so genius. There, I mean, there are so many quotes of hers that are so good. And I think of it's one that grows on me every time. And I'm like, this is iconic. And this should be talked about more mm-hmm. is so you've really never had sex. Oh. Well, then how do you know we're not having it right now and then she like (laughs) does this like shake of her head and she's kind of like i got you (laughs) Mm -hmm. she thinks that she's like tricked him or something in that moment and it's so brilliant (laughs) you just in her it just again that's another moment of a, a surprise delivery that she she uses that energy and delivery and vocal quality very specifically right there and then never uses it again well how do you know we're not doing it right now (laughs) because she does and that's the other thing i noticed is that she if i may talk about her specifically her vocal life in this movie yes please go ahead i love this just because it's it's truly i'll just say every other movie as well like if you think about her vocal work in working girl and even it's when she get like and then when she gets so like when the wedding is broken off and in and out and just like everything is just like her ability (laughs) to show complete anger and frustration and be at a 10 is just so fascinating and hilarious to me we love (laughs) watching her have a meltdown she's the queen the queen she is the queen of it because she has such a she has she does have an energy about her in her characters and in her performances where you're like this woman is about to bust at any moment mm-hmm. you know that if you just push one way or the other she's gonna lose it yes. and it's so beautiful she holds on to that throughout how many films and like waits for the perfect moment and then poof, it's done you know when she at the at the end and that in the big moment that everybody loves and this is so small and it's gonna seem so bizarre but i'm sure you'll know what i'm talking about like that monologue at the end alone is iconic and i feel like so many people i know practically know it by heart yes and and that's probably the most quotable section of the movie without a doubt of her performance but i just was so tickled particular particularly today by when oh see i forget the build the build up to it they're basically saying like you know like please don't do this or i don't don't remember i don't remember the exact line but she just says sorry no, was it was it when Fester no, oh, is no, like, sorry. she says sorry. Oh, do you, oh, know, she's, do you remember yeah. do you know what I'm talking about? Fester goes, just leave them alone, kill me and take my money and leave them alone. And she goes, Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> just like, and then there's the, and I don't 
And it was fascinating to me. I know this is like so heady and highfalutin. And I'm sure there are people that are like, what are they talking about? (laughs) But there's just, she just delivers it. It's one word and she delivers it in a way that you're like, where did that come from? Where did it come from? You know what I mean? It's just like. Yes. She has that ability though. And like. Sorry. Sorry. I mean, the other. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm putting her sorry. I'm just like, I'm just. Oh God, this is going to be like, who's on you're, first. Um, you're such a good actor. Oh, you really, yeah, no, I was literally thinking in my head, I was like, how does she say it? Like, I want to, Yeah. I don't know if you're planning on Sorry. putting, putting, I'll, I don't know if you're able to put audio of her in this. I will put it in. I because I was like, because I am, I pale in comparison to her. Sorry. Well, that's the thing is nobody can do that monologue like her. So well, let's just, let's just get to it. This, this monologue, the, yeah. first of all, the climax of the film is perfect. I wrote yeah. it down. It's a perfect climax to the film. We get everybody back in one space and we get the big evil controlling them putting them in danger we get finally to that moment and the gloriousness that they give her this ridiculous somebody on online called it shylock in merchant of venice yes i saw (laughs) yeah the merchant yes 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 don't i like they're like kind of like yes i've been a monster but don't i deserve this and don't i deserve that Mm -hmm. no it is shakespearean in a way truly and i love that she like performs within the performance yes yeah like she obviously that she's giving a performance but then like her character is like here is my shakespearean moment she has it also yes we should stick to the monologue but she also has it when the family comes back when the family comes to her home to look for fester and she comes down the stairs and she's like get out you know and she goes and and that was a monologue that i specifically hadn't noticed before but again she was she's like delivering like it's just out of 10 and and the stakes are so high and and it's just so interesting a line in that she says a gossamer blanket of ecstasy (laughs) that is so why you have those exact (laughs) thank you like she quote. is walking down the stairs in that robe with those like marabou feathers yeah. and she says he's in a gossamer blanket of ecstasy and he doesn't want to see you <laughs> like it's just like oh it's so beautiful but yeah that's she does get these like that is definitely the precursor that's like kind of an appetizer for what we get at the very end. Well, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like, there's such a great, cause I feel like you get Debbie at the beginning and this is all again, great writer who is the writer is Paul Rudnick. Yes. If you're familiar with Paul Rudnick, which I was vaguely, but I thought it was interesting that Paul Rudnick also wrote in and out. Yes. Mm-hmm. And also I believe, and first wives club, what? which I mean, <laughs> Yes, that's a whole I know I, that's a whole other tangent. No, the writing is so great, but she takes it to this place where she's one Debbie and then they get married and she's next level Debbie and is over it and she's pissed and she's ready mm-hmm. to get him out. And mm-hmm. then he once it's after once the house explodes and Fester comes out of the house, then that to me is part three Debbie that is like, okay, here's my gun. I am at, I'm even further along now. 
and I'm going to be on a ramp and she's on a rampage the, the last 20 minutes of the film. Yeah, she she is full monster. Like yes. she has evolved into her final stage of Yeah, monster. like her in like fighting traffic to like get to like chase Fester <laughs> and, and it's just so ludicrous. Indeed. And that's what makes it Indeed. so great. The Debbie 2, her card license plate says Debbie, Debbie 2. I mean, come. There's Debbie 1 and Debbie 2. Yes. <laughs> she, yeah, so she gets, when she gets all of them and she has them on the electric yeah. chairs. And this is where the line deliveries, I mean, the the iconic moment where everything special about Joan Cusack shines is in the simple line of two words, which is Malibu Barbie. Malibu Barbie. I'm glad you, <laughs> I'm glad you said that. <laughs> Everything we love about Joan Cusack is in that those two words, all right there. And yep. I, I mean, it is... It is so beautifully set up and the the punchline of just like her saying that those words and how disappointed she was and like that moment created a monster. <laughs> like, yeah. just and so it's just beautiful. like also if you really think about it too hard, which you shouldn't, it's like <laughs> where did this projector come from? Where did she get slides? <laughs> Like she took a picture of these slides. I mean, it's, you could like, this is the, these are the kinds of things I think about. Well, especially (laughs) when you, these are things you think about when you've seen a movie, uh, 18,000 times today, I was like, wow. So she took a picture of that guy, her former husband, as she was about to run him over with her car in the driveway. I love that. I love that. (laughs) And I also love Like, it's so silly, but that's what she must have done. Like, and hats off if this is if this was Barry Sonnefeld's uh, choice, hats off to him. The two guys who are her old husbands, yes, and the way that they react when the murder is about to happen, which is kind of this like blank expressionless face but kind of scared is genius because they're just like oh no (laughs) yeah everything is just there are obviously a lot more campy films out there right but this one and some i really like and some don't hit me the same way but this amount of camp i don't know there's something about it and it's why I love this series specifically. Oh, see, and I knew I would do this specifically television shows being made into movies. You know what I'm going to say? That <laughs> a, the other Please. two movies that are equally the right amount of camp are the Brady Bunch movies. It's those are two of my favorite films. Like I just, and, and like they, they, have nothing to like i mean it's nothing it's, it's just like nothing. it's candy film <clears throat> yes but i love it and it's yes. like if i'm gonna have empty calories they better taste good and, and that's, this is oh, that's like, a good way of putting it yes. yeah it's just like this is delicious like this is great yeah. it does nothing for my nutrition but i don't care yeah those two the adams family movies very much remind me of of the brady bunch the spoof films if you will however you want to categorize them but uh for whatever reason like even and also it's it's a sketch but like the wayne's world movies too 
Yeah. Both, both of them. I mean, that is also like TV to movie. I don't know. Something about the early nineties taking TV shows, sketches Mm -hmm. and, and making them films was overall pretty successful, (laughs) which is why I love the (laughs) nineties. I agree. I think that there has, there was some definite, some, this fascination with bringing these old films or uh, old television shows and bringing them to modern day. Yes. It's such a fascinating, oddly Uh, specific choice. Like that. It is. And and making them. We all agreed upon. (laughs) Yes. And making them like very tongue in cheek, but also, I mean, Adam's family is probably like less. You know, like, because the Brady Bunch movies are pretty, like, they're, like, a little yeah. raunchy. And, like, they're, yeah. I would say they're, like, I would say the Brady Bunch movies are a, a 90% camp, you know? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. And, absolutely. And maybe, like, the Adams Family would be, I don't know, maybe, maybe, like, a 50 or 60. Maybe, yeah, I don't I, know. I would say, yeah, like, 70 even, maybe. they fun I, at yeah. themselves. Like, it, it, like, pokes fun at what the television show gave us. But there are genuine stakes and there yes. is a, a story that's being told. And especially Adam's family values, family values is based off of something that Dan Quayle said during the Bush era, uh, the first Bush era. Yep. And that's where the idea of the, the title came from. And I think that's also the idea of the, I would say Adam's family and Brady Bunch do beautiful job of making fun of at that time the generation that was like well it's like not like the good old days and it was like oh the the wholesome entertainment of the good old days and stuff Mm -hmm. like that and they're like no i like watch this like let's go ahead and bring the good old days into current day Mm -hmm. and realize that y'all are crazy (laughs) like you are the crazy ones and stuff it's like it's very interesting, and I do think that that's part of the reason why we all agreed upon this like weird subgenre of these TV shows being brought into modern day '90s culture. Yeah, I don't know why. I I mean, I know why, but I find them. I'm so drawn to them because I appreciate the broadness of the comedy, but it's mm-hmm. still. Forgive me for saying this, <laughs> but it's still so rooted in a place of truth. It is. It is. And especially, so like, surely a lot of outstanding factors outside of in the film with the cast had to go into like why the film Adam's Family Values is so focused on Fester and so focused on Debbie is probably because of Raul Julia's health deteriorating during this. And Angelica Houston mentions that it really started showing, even though he's brilliant in this movie. And he's he still keeps it together and you would never know. No. And and so but obviously they had to take away the focus but what's brilliant about his performance and angelica houston's performance is how much they love each other at every single moment of that movie and uh, it is so good <laughs> but yeah their chemistry uh, i just yeah and, and i and i i appreciate everyone's work in that film so much like even more so every every time i watch it i just yeah the casting it's just even so... down to like David Crumholtz 
and the uh the kid who is oh uh, christina ricci's like i adore him he's so good (laughs) also we we have to go back one second i forgot this the wedding march is sunrise yes (laughs) well you know it's interesting i don't know i mean we sort of like the producer obviously gets the money together we know that but i I was thinking about how scott rudin was the producer of this movie and scott Mm -hmm. rudin is i mean i'm looking at the list of films that like stood out to me mainly because these are like the like some of my favorites, but <laughs> like uh, Scott Rudin produced s- both Sister Act movies. Um, yes. If you've ever seen the movie Life with Mikey with Michael yes. J. Fox, uh-huh. which what's his face is in that you just mentioned? What is his name? Yeah, David Crumholtz. Yes, is yeah. in Life with Mikey. Um, yeah. Clueless, First Wives Club, In and Out, The Truman Show, School of Rock, all produced Dude. by Scott Rudin. And so, okay, all of those movies that you just mentioned, (laughs) Mm -hmm. there is so much heart in each of those movies. And there's, there's no harm in them. Like, they're not mean like they're they're mean in like a very specific way but mm-hmm. they're like very like like you watch them and they hold up there's nothing they like do. a lot of them like, yeah. don't touch on anything that you're kind of like you know like they kind <laughs> of hold up they do it's impressive a fun this is this is a fun tidbit mm-hmm. that i you might know this but Joan Cusack was nominated for a Saturn Award for this performance in Adam's Valley Valley. Interesting. I didn't know that. Which no. I didn't really, I didn't really know what a Saturn Award was. Mm-hmm. And a Saturn Award, for those that don't know, <laughs> is it honors the best in science fiction, fantasy, and horror. And yeah. in 1994, which honored work from 93, it was a 20th annual Saturn Awards. Spoiler, Joan didn't win. She was just nominated. But... <laughs> Nominated for Best Fantasy Film that year were six movies, Adam's Family Values, Groundhog Day, Heart and Souls, Hocus Pocus, Last Action Hero, and Rookie of the Year. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, wow, like my taste is the Saturn Award. <laughs> and I don't, I mean, I'm saying now everybody it. knows, but I'm just like, you know, I love the Oscars, but there's, now you know. you got to win a Saturn. <laughs> What? Say that again. Now you got to. Now, now you got to win a Saturn. That's, like, and that's we got to get thought, you a Saturn. That's like I was like suddenly today. I thought, wow, I've been watching the wrong award <laughs> ceremony for for thirty years uh, uh, because Amanda Plummer, who I don't know, mm-hmm. won supporting actress over Joan Cusack. Amanda Plummer won for Needful Things, which I also haven't seen. I've um, never. I don't even, I don't think I've heard of that movie. I think it's like a horror sci-fi. Okay. Sure. Um, (laughs) Amanda Plummer, if you're listening, congrats. You had some, (laughs) I won't list all the nominees, but Amanda Plummer that year beat out Joan. And she also beat out Kathy and Jimmy and Sarah Jessica Parker. (laughs) For Hocus Pocus. Also, you know what? I think Sarah Jessica Parker would have been a good Debbie, too. I think that she could have had some interesting, especially 90s Sarah Jessica Parker, because she was being so ridiculous in every movie that she was in. I agree. She, like, you know, Hocus Pocus, First Wives Club, she was, like, giving you, like, 
a 15 out of 10 on the choices scale. And so, like, I think it would have been, I think that could have been really fun. I mean, obviously, we're you keeping Joan. <laughs> no, but you know what's interesting is I, I do agree with that, but I think I'm like, that's what it is. I think. And same with Marissa Tomei. I question, and I'm sorry, Sarah Jessica Parker, if you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) I question her and Marissa Tomei's ability to be um, also truly frightening. Yes. Because because that is the extra layer, I think. This whole time, I've been like, what is it? And maybe that's what it is, is that Joan Cusack is so funny, and she's funny in every movie, but nowhere that I know of do we see her and I didn't I haven't seen her on Shameless but nowhere yeah. else do I think do we really see her have moments of true oh I this woman frightens me because she is purely evil and is obviously she's killed and but what, but it's Adam's family values you still like end up loving her and laughing at her but there are a handful of moments in the film that you're like the first one is when she's like and you get a glimpse of it you get a glimpse of her psychoticness when she is um changing the diaper of pubert yes <laughs> and and wednesday walks in and she's like he's not a little brat and she's like, oh, and then she quickly changes. But you mm-hmm. see just a glimpse of her being like, you know, just like, and you're like, oh, crazy. Ooh. And I don't, again, I Sarah, don't Marissa, if- I'm tired. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I, I just thought. Amanda Plummer, we're so I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> but like, I don't know. That's what I think it is with me with Joan is that she's so funny but that level of the explosions she has in that in the movie specifically are like I think are what send it over the top absolutely we are given the second best car scene uh, in my opinion the best car scene is Lori Metcalf in Lady Bird which <sighs> is the best car scene and then second is Debbie practicing how she's going to talk to the cops when the car okay, okay. explodes because that is the journey she takes in that car of like crying to laughing is such genius. Okay, Tommy, work. you took you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> You did. You did. When I, I think like ten minutes ago, I was like, I gotta get. I, there's a moment I have to get back to. It's that moment. Yes. That you're yes. talking about where she says, but officer, my husband was in that house and she starts crying and she's looking in the <laughs> rearview mirror, like, look, like, and she just, there's about eight beats within that one minute scene. Yeah. Yeah. And she doesn't like physically change right away. And so like her <laughs> laughing and crying sounds the same. And like, and then it grows so brilliant. And, and then, then it, it grows, grows into the, the cackle. cackle. Oh, I, again, I love the monologue very, very much at the end, but I absolutely share that one minute clip of her pulling up and practicing <laughs> her, her sad moment with the police practicing. Um, it's a shame we, we never actually get to see her play it out, but, um, but when, but that moment of her just rehearsing and then, yeah, the la- the cry into the laugh, into the cackle, and then the, uh, just like, cause she's just like, oh, I am, I am, I, I don't know, you could, you could say she's like, man, I'm good, or, you know, 
Yeah. You know what? That is such a good point. I do love that throughout this movie, there are so many moments where she's like, got it. I did it. It's all done. I'm so good. And then he just keeps on surviving or he like, or she has something, uh, an obstacle thrown in her way. And like, it's so brilliant. When she, when he, another thing, it's so small, but it makes me laugh every time because it's the way she says it. When he, when she's, I mean, then, and then it just grows from there. When he comes out of the burned house and she just immediately turns that ginormous gun on him. (laughs) And she's like, I want you dead and I want your money. money. I you you did miss one of my favorite parts, which is she gets out of the car after it explodes, and she goes, "Oh, oh. help!" <laughs> also, <laughs> yep, nope, help, help, help. help. But, yeah. And then her her laugh when he's like, "You don't you love me?" And then she cackles for the gods. Yes, and it's the it's head a, goes back. Oh. <laughs> It's an interesting cut because it almost looks like they cut out the build up to that moment, that laugh. Like it, it looks like she's actually at the peak, at the climax of like an actual like long laugh. Yes, which I don't know if it's editing. I don't know if it's her acting, but kudos because well, she just blows up. And that's why I think, yeah, that's a good point. I wonder (laughs) if it it was edited that way, because I think that's why I like it, that she immediately doesn't even think about it. Like, he's like, don't you love me? There's not even a beat. (laughs) (laughs) And And, she just goes into it. (laughs) And we forget about that. And, you know, and actors will say that. And I bet even Joan, if you're listening, I bet she would say, like, yeah, God bless writers. God bless editors. Like, they, they... Totally, and we forget that that they can. They're huge. What do you want to call them? Not advocates. They're um, very important parts of performances in, ter- yes, in terms I, of timing and whatnot. Definitely, uh, especially in film, especially in like a madcap comedy like this, and uh, like with camp and everything, it is equally the director, the yes. editor. Like it's, it's all of them too that like really add to it. And oh it's interesting. Uh, you know what? And I and shame on me. I looked up the director, the producer, and the writer, and I didn't look up the editor or editors. And well, I, I I'm going to after this because I want to <laughs> see what other movies they edited. Um because yeah. it is, it's really, I mean, so this brings me to my next point that I wanted to bring up. I am fascinated at great films that are released right before monster films come out. So this was released in November of 93, yeah. a week before Mrs. Doubtfire. I noted that, that it was number one. Yes. And yeah. then it was the second week. It was number two behind yeah. Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. like, and for the fact that, first of all, hats off to us as a country for at one time having two like huge comedies come out back to back weeks. It's like huge. crazy. And I don't know if that would happen today. I'm very fascinated to know. I want to see, do the research and find out these other like cult classic films or these films that have like, like a lot of fans still out there who love watching this movie and everything. 
and why it wasn't financially successful. And I'm wondering if because it's a situation like Adam Family Values, where it was a big release, <laughs> mm-hmm. but right behind it was Robin Williams in a Chris Columbus directed film. Yeah, because because I think they like the budget, I think, was like 48 million. And I think the movie made like 49, if that's yeah, it correct. Like barely made the budget. Yes. Like, uh, yeah, I remember seeing yeah. that and being like, wow. And of course, Mrs. Doubtfire. I mean, I I feel like I <laughs> I'm, I'm one of those people. I, I'm a snot. I, I, what am I about to say? I'm one of those people that if anything becomes too popular, I shy away from it. And I hate that yes. I'm that way. I am. So I, <laughs> I just, I find that most of my favorite movies are the ones like an Adam Stanley values. that kind of falls under the radar. Yeah. Um, I don't know why that does. I'm, I, something about like when it's something is like that being said though, I, I love Mrs. Doubtfire. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm, ex- I'm not saying I'm, I'm exempt from really successful movies. From like popular. Yes. Like, yeah. the, like, There's plenty of like popular mainstream. movies, popular movies and Oscar winners that I'm all about. But, um, I mean, I gravitate to, I don't know, the campier. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that it's our, our um, underdogs, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's underdog sentimentality. I think it's, especially within queer art consumers, we love the fringe. We love outside. We love the things that feel like ours and not yours. And mm-hmm. Adam's Family Values is such a specific case where it's like, it's a sequel to a movie that is like truly better than the first one, even though the first one's great. I agree. It's better in, which is so rare. And it's very specifically like, I mean, I don't know Rudnick. I think Rudnick is a gay man. I think the guy who wrote it is as well. So I want to play a little challenge right now. So, pitch to me an idea of a television show that you want to remake in this style of tongue-in-cheek humor that bringing to the modern world. I'm going to go with my gut, which I I don't do enough. And again, I'm sorry if no one's heard of this show, but the first thing I thought, you know what, two things. First thing I thought was Mr. Belvedere. Um, oh, I love that. I love that. I don't know why. Oh. oh, I love it. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Mr. Belvedere comes to mind. But see, now I'm on like the Growing Pains, Family Matters. I don't, I don't know that any of those work, but Three's Company comes to mind. But maybe Three's Company is campy enough as it is. I got one for you. Please. And I think... I think you're going to be like, oh, it was right there. I'm sure. I think Saved by the Bell, oh. 90s kids dealing with Gen Z, like TikTok teens. And like, I think it would be so brilliant. And like, I would love to see, I mean, I there's already just a joke of like everybody on their iPhones and then Zach with his giant like plastic that's good (laughs) and i also like the idea of like lisa turtle like being like wow there's more black people (laughs) (laughs) and like thank god like wow thank god oh yeah ac slater uh being like canceled for being sexist so many times in the school and like having to deal with that i think 
it would be genius to watch them in their 90s nests try and deal with current day teens. I think, I think that would be so funny. Yeah, I'm going to be thinking about that now. I'm going to be thinking about what no. what I'm going to be th- I'm going to be thinking about what works as it was, but just like seeing them. Yeah, just a group of people caught in their old time yeah. frame, like yeah. navigating the world. Yeah. Huh. You sit on that, you think about it, I we'll pitch will. it to some studios. <laughs> but as for now, we are going to add Joan Cusack in her role of Debbie Jelinski <laughs> in The Adams Family's Values into our book of gags. God bless. <laughs> it is canon. It is canonical. It is the moment. We love it. So up next, let's go ahead and I'm going to read off some of the notes that I wrote, some of the ridiculous things that I have written down. Some of them make sense. Some of them don't. But we'll just (laughs) see where they go. So I wrote down, this film is perfectly cast. Costume is perfect. Mm -hmm. So tight. (laughs) When she introduced herself as Deb, you're too young or less. I don't know why I wrote that. I forget that one. Or, or, less. or less? Yeah. Uh, oh, I can't remember. Oh, no. Places you find these atoms, men, they're usually damp. Uh, <laughs> God damn it. The use of an Illinois dialect I mentioned, America's yeah. disgusting unsolved crimes would actually be a huge hit right God. now. Like, so, I think. <laughs> also, can, I add, to, can I add to that? I Please. just want to add that, first of all, like the Adams family has a TV in their home for Debbie, <laughs> and Debbie's eating a box of chocolates. <laughs> I'm surrounded by magazines <laughs> that she got. <laughs> yes, I just find that touch fascinating. And like, who cares where it all came from? But today I truly wondered where did this, where did they get this? I also wrote down Ursula, Carmen, and Nadine because. Oh. <laughs> And now I'm determined to own three animals and name them Ursula, Carmen, and Nadine. Ooh, and that's and a- just, just tell people, and they'll be like, you're so sad. And I'll be like, no, I'm brilliant. Nope. <laughs> you're sad. That, no, that is, if I <laughs> met anyone with animals, be, I, I would be like, we are best friends forever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the brilliance of Christopher Lloyd saying goodbye to Debbie when when uh, Gomez is like, Fester, say goodbye to Debbie. <laughs> Fester turns around and he goes, mm-hmm. and like, <laughs> I mean, Christopher, Lo- yeah. Jesus. Genius. Genius. Christ- yep. yep. Genius. The Debbie color palette, just in general, is brilliant. The use of pastels. <laughs> You've gone oh, too far. But Debbie, pastels. <laughs> That's a wonderful, wonderful. God bless Angelica Houston. Yeah. Uh, I also wrote down, I just think it's really funny that I I mentioned it before. I just love that cousin. It is where Debbie draws the line where it's like too weird. Yeah. And (laughs) I want to know, was that decided by the director? Or was that Joan Cusack being like, yeah, I think Debbie is like, what the hell is it? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not nervous. I'm upset. <laughs> I lo- and the way she like handles the remote when she says that is also yep i agree i, I also i also wrote down time life jokes how 90s 
Um, <laughs> she says, yeah. I bought it off Time Life. <laughs> the, uh, be careful. These are beautiful things. They're from catalogs. Uh, <laughs> yep. Love I, that. Have a, I have a section of notes where I just wrote down cameos that I was excited about, including Charles Bush, when he's the one who says to uh, Wednesday when she gets the bouquet and he's in full drag and he goes, Tramp. And it's oh, genius. Yeah. Also, <laughs> like, him. like Nathan Lane's cameo. Nathan Lane, uh, Leia Delaria. Leia playing. Delaria. The, I thought that too. I specifically today was like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. And when she goes, Deborah. Um, Cynthia <laughs> Nixon. Oh yeah. Cynthia oh, Nixon's Cynthia Nixon. Cam- cameo. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Oh, when she gets a passport and he says, will you be traveling alone? And she says, yes, I'll be a widow. (laughs) It's so genius. I'm with you. Oh, is it string? You never know. (laughs) He's passing It's so brilliant. And then when he says, I'll miss you. And she goes, of course. And she picks up the luggage without even looking at him, just Mm -hmm. picks it up and walks out. It's so, and she has this smile plastered on her face. Oh, it's so good. Oh, the swift pickup Uh, of the luggage is, is so good. Yeah. uh, Tony Shalhoub, I wrote down. Oh yeah. And she's playing Macho Man and she's in the, oh my God. It's so good. And her dancing with to Macho Man is so good because she's just sitting in she's doing the like pointer sister kind of dance oh it's so good don't say that (laughs) when they're like your husband must be beautiful and she's like don't say that (laughs) it's oh my god yeah you're hitting all of yep oh i want to know who played young tabby and i want to know where she is now (laughs) in the slides i would like to know because that is her wig is just in the slides I was thinking today, I was like, it's not the same actress. It, it can't be. But it, for a second, I was like, is that the same actress that plays the blonde at the camp? Yeah. No. Yeah. It, not, I but, thought for a second, but yeah. I don't think it is. I'm going to do the research. And then the last one that I just have down is the Pope has a cold. I just, every <laughs> <laughs> it's just, there are so many good lines so those are the notes that i took down now i'm gonna just talk about some gags of the week feel free to chime in so i have two one is i was recently with some family and we had we were at a socially distanced gathering of just four of us and we had s'mores s'mores are a gag (laughs) like truly (laughs) s'mores are like what where did we go right to get s'mores who thought of them i went to uh Shout out to Cookie Spin in Lincoln Square, in Chicago, <laughs> Illinois, because I got, they have deep dish cookies, and I got a s'mores deep dish cookie two days oh. ago. I highly oh. recommend, Tommy, if you haven't been, you will get. I just, any s'mores, like, flavored anything, I'm in. You've you've convinced me yeah, I'm going to get it. What is it? Also, I don't know. 7-Eleven it, has a great s'mores brand ice, ice cream. cream. Yes, they do. S'mores brand ice creams, period. Like, yeah. I'm like, telling you, though, the generic 7-Eleven brand 
do yourself a favor. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And then my second gag of the week and my little more serious one uh, just happened. Like I just, it, I just read it. Um, I'm sure you saw a lot of our friends on Facebook scream about this, but Disney plus is developing a once on this Island film. So uh, very that, briefly, just say, just the heading. Uh, so exciting because I fucking love Once on This Island. Same. I think what it's if- a beautiful show. I think it's brilliant, and Thank they you. have two fantastic women working on this film. Like one is writing the script. It's the playwright who wrote Schoolgirls or the African Mean Girls play. Yes, um, yes, oh, and that's brilliant. yeah. It's just, it's going to be fabulous. It's a film. It's like a perfect musical to go to a film. I'm so excited. I cannot wait. And if Alex Newell is in it as Asaka, like I, I just go okay. ahead, call the coroner because I'm dead. Yeah, that has to happen. I, that, that has to happen. I bet oh. I, it will. I'm calling it right now. I just have one. So I just have one quiz for you. Question: Do you you probably know this? I don't think it's radical, but it surprised me. Do you know how old Joan Cusack was when they filmed Adam's Family Values? Wow, no, because it is. This sounds ridiculous, but like I think you'll understand what I say when I say this. It is ageless. Like her, the character she plays, the way she looks, everything is ageless. I don't, is it, is it early forties maybe? Or how old is she? She, when she filmed this, Uh assuming that they filmed it in 92, because it came out in November of 93, she, during filming potentially turned 30 years old. You're kidding. Her birthday is October of 62. So yeah. she was. She had just turned thirty-one when the film came out. So she probably it, turned thirty when they were filming. That is incredible. I feel so. <laughs> you know what? No, I don't feel bad. Let's let's normalize this. Yeah, being being referred I've... to as older is not a is not a discredit on your beauty, the way you look, you know. anything like that. It's actually, if anything, you just appear to be a more mature human. And also your talent is so beyond that. I'm like, well, she's been doing this forever. Like, you know, but oh my God. That that really shocked me. So I just, I just wanted to add that. Thank you for telling me that because I, I'm obsessed with that. (laughs) That, that is the guy. I was like, what was I doing when I was 30? Jesus. Uh, that was four years ago for me, and I was doing not that. <laughs> yeah. So, if anything, I was just quoting that. <laughs> Same. That's uh, in fact actually what I was doing. Yep. So those were my gags of the week. Love it. All right. <laughs> okay. So, Patrick Michael Tierney. Yeah. Calling you by your good Christian name. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me and talking to me about this. This was the episode I wanted to do, and I just, we just had to do it right away. Like it was because it is, this truly to me, this is the quintessential performance. This is the quintessential absolute gag where it's like, 
something that is under the radar that is not like that a very specific group of people really love or that Mm -hmm. a group of people really appreciate. So this to me, definition, absolute gag. And I'm so glad you agreed to chat with me about it. I could probably, uh, there could be a 10 part series. (laughs) Well, on just Joan Cusack in general. I agree. Maybe you can join us. We'll do a Ken Burns documentary called Joan. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that's good. And it's just us like reading her like emails, like in her voice. (laughs) Malibu. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, call it. Uh, So good. Well, Patrick, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. A joy and a half. I. Well, keep on gagging. (laughs) (laughs) And actually, Gag is produced and edited by me. Cover art provided by Grace Greenwood at 1310 Studios. Follow her on Instagram at 1310 underscore studios or visit their website at www.1310studios.com. Music provided by Vivera. Find them on Spotify and iTunes. Rate and subscribe to the podcast on all podcatcher apps, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow the pod on Instagram and Twitter at an absolute gag pod. Thanks for listening. Now pump it, queens. Pump it, queens.